Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Inspired Action. The goal of this podcast is to not only leave you inspired in some shape or form, but more importantly, that you are left inspired to take some kind of action in your own life. Inspiration plus action are a very powerful combination. The Inspired Action podcast is brought to you by Stage Fright Management, which provides cost-effective social media solutions to grow your brand. Check them out at stagefrightmgmt.com. On today's Inspired Action podcast, I have the pleasure of talking with the one and only Josh Butler. In just a few years, Josh has firmly established himself as one of house music's most revered talents. Following the unexpected success behind his debut, Got A Feeling, in 2013, Josh soon went on to pick up multiple industry awards from the likes of Beatport and DJ Mike, whilst releasing on Hot Creations, Viva and Noir, just to name a few. 2016 saw the launch of his label Origins, with Josh welcoming the likes of Marshall Jefferson, Todd Terry, Robert Owens and Sante, and then scoring his second Beatport number one through his and Bontan's standout, Call You Back, in early 2017. Add to the equation remixes for industry heavyweights Carl Cox and Yoris Ford, and it's clear to see that Josh Butler is only getting started. And I think we're live, Joshy B. Typical um, interviewing a DJ and we've got sound difficulties. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, mate, uh, I just want to thank you. Never easy. Um, I just want to thank you, mate, for coming on to my podcast. Um, it was good to meet you uh, back in Feb, was it? You were touring Australia? Yeah, yeah, it was. Feels like yesterday, but it was um, it was about six months ago now. Yeah, seems like yesterday. Is there a bit of a delay? This is a bit glitchy here. Is it, from your end? Yeah. Let's you see how, how it goes. <laughs> cool mate so yeah thanks for coming on the show um yeah it was good to catch up with you and hang out and uh watch you dj when you were here um you're a good friend of my housemate ollie um and yeah i just thought it'd be good to get you on to um the podcast to have a bit of a chat with you to see basically get your backstory and see where it all began because you're pretty much you're killing it at the minute you've just done your first um essential mix on BBC Radio 1 at the weekend, which was epic, by the way. Um, and you're sitting, like, at number two in the Beatport charts with um, your 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 new track, Anonymous, which is out in Hot Creations. So I want to go way back, mate. I want to go way back to before you actually started DJing because I've heard a couple of funny stories about different DJs who have, um, like, had sort of weird kind of jobs before they started DJing, like... Um, Moby was, um, I think he was a golf caddy. Um, Richie Houghton worked in a video store. Um, oh, right. I didn't know that. Yeah, back in the VHS days. And uh, Calvin Harris was um, working in a fish market. Um, so what what were you doing? What were you up to, mate, before you started getting into this caper? I had a, a string of different part-time jobs um, from catering at weddings to working <laughs> in Argos, um, things just to keep me ticking over um, when music was just a hobby. Um, and as I started to get more into the music production thing and realised that there was different ways of, of making money from it, I started to do production lessons. So teaching Ableton, um, 
and making sample packs for for other producers. So yeah. kind of co co uh, collecting lots of different drum sounds and producing loops and things like that, and then putting them all into folders. And funnily enough, people pay good money for that sort of thing. So that for 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 that sort of stuff was keeping me going. And then it right. know, things just started to naturally evolve into into more seriousness. But yeah, I mean, I went to university for three years. Well, it's what, what so were you studying? a lot of the part-time jobs were were on the side. I was studying music, music technology. Oh, okay. Oh, awesome. Cool. So what what was like back then? So like what was was there a, a moment or an event or someone that actually inspired you to get into the whole um, world of DJing and music production, or did you just actually just naturally progress into it? Was there any defining moment or defining person or for getting into it um, yeah, back in the day? Like what was it, what was the that? first the first memory. Yeah, the first memory that I've got of, of getting into music production was through my dad's mate, John. He right. um, he brought over this cracked copy of a PlayStation game called Music. Very, very oh, basic. Do you remember this? Yeah. Very yep. basic sequence so that you control from the PlayStation. It was all pre-made yeah. samples. Um, I think you could program your own your own loops and stuff, but I mean, I, I was nowhere at that level. I was like 12, 13 at this <laughs> point. Right. So I was just basically playing around. It was like musical Tetris in my eyes. It was, you get these blocks and like, yeah. piece them together. Um, and yeah, I, I was just fascinated by it for some reason. Absolutely fascinated. So I'd start baking little tracks and then the burning them to tape. Uh, <laughs> I remember, to, you know, you go to like your school friend's birthday parties when you're that sort of age and they've got a DJ playing all sorts of like pass the parcel music and, uh, <laughs> you know, you know the drill. Anyway, I, I used yeah, to take these tapes to the DJ and, <laughs> and say, go on, mate, give, can you give this a spin? <laughs> <laughs> so a lot of them would just say, oh, I don't even have a tape machine. Right. But yeah, so so I was from, from day one, <laughs> apparently. So what, so what progressed? What was the next step after that? Who was the sort of, once you started getting into that PlayStation thing, like, were you, um, was there any influences out there? Who were your, um, was there what, were sorry? Your, <clears throat> any like who influenced you? Who was like in the world of music that influenced you? Was there any um, artist like back in the day um, that was like someone you looked up to? Um, it was a lot of local DJs at the time, or so that so there was a radio station called Radio City, which had a dance. So that was a a big sort of eye opener for me, even though it was on yeah. a small scale. <laughs> Um, they'd play like kind of charty, accessible, um, and of course, Radio One with Pete Tong and Judge Jules at the time. Um, yeah. that those sort of dance music radio radio shows were a big thing, yeah. 
Yeah, massive. I remember Judge Jules was on a was it Pete Tong was it a Friday night back then still? Judge Jules was on a Saturday. Um, yeah, yeah. Seth Fontaine, Seth Fontaine had a gig, and I remember Fergie was on it too at one stage. Yes, mate. I forgot Seth Fontaine and Fergie were on there. Yeah. Was, so yeah, um, I mean, it was it was pretty mainstream avenues really because uh, again i didn't really know about the underground side of things and i was just taking whatever i could get my hands on yeah um and then did you just start um, getting into music production like from like this the playstation like was there any courses that you jumped into or was it did you start self-teaching yourself what was the next step just all self-taught for years um so from the age of probably 13 to 17 i was just chipping away myself and um it wasn't really thinking about what i was doing to be honest there wasn't a goal it was just something that i enjoyed and something that helped me relax yeah so uh, so when i was 13 14 we moved to new zealand mum and dad wanted to move over to a place called kerry kerry in the north island of new zealand very like small isolated little town uh, music scene but in a way that helped me refine some of the skills that i was learning on on the playstation and these early well by that point it was early computer programs like reason yeah and fruity loops pretty loops yeah so i mean that it being in a new place and um not a lot to do i was just making music all the time and a lot of the time was trying to recreate some of my favorites so right, i'd remixing. sit there for hours yeah re- maybe not even Remixing, trying to get it to sound exactly the same or as close as panel. Oh, yeah. Cover. So just modeling it. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Trying to de- dissect these records and figure out what made them work. Brilliant. I think that was, a, that was a big thing for me, actually, in hindsight. Again, at the time, it, I wasn't really conscious of why I was doing it. Yeah, good but way to do it. Good way to start. And was there any tracks that you really, really wanted to, like any standout tracks that you can remember that you, you spent months trying to recreate? Was there any of your favourites from back in the day? Yeah, Robert Miles' Children was is one <laughs> of the, my personal favourites. Brilliant track. I've still got the file for that somewhere. Right. Was it 96 or 97? Was it in around that time, wasn't it? it, it yeah, it might have been a little bit later. 99. Right. Yeah, it was a yeah, it was a golden era for tracks. Uh back in nineteen ninety nine. Loved that era myself. <laughs> <laughs> um Pete, this is this is breaking up a little bit here. Is it? The the signal great. Are you on Wi Fi or four uh, G? Wi Fi. Try the just the phone four G. It's probably stronger. I'm on the I'm actually on the laptop. Oh, on the laptop. Oh, okay. Let me hotspot. <clears throat> yeah, see if you can hotspot, see what happens. 
yeah. I'm wired directly into the Wi-Fi here. The joys of doing live stuff. Uh, the joys of technology, eh? When it work. I know. Let's see what happens. Is that you tapped in now? No, not yet. Sorry, mate. But it's okay. There we go. Frozen. Sorry, guys, technical glitch. <clears throat> the joys of technology. There we go. Hello, sorry about that. And we're back. Okay, fingers crossed. Yeah, I mean, it seems pretty clear now and there's no glitchiness. Uh, there's still a little bit my end, but we'll we'll work through it. It's not the end yeah. of the world. That's all right, mate. Cool. All right. Yeah. So where was I talking about you New Zealand? Yeah, New Zealand, mate. So you were honing in on your skills over there and... Um, Robert Miles getting Robert Miles down pat. So, what happened after that? Yeah. Uh, yes. So I was also um, bought my first pair of decks over there, and as we were getting to the age of like sixteen, people in school started to throw parties because there was no nightclubs, um, no social clubs, or but people had quite a bit of land where we lived. Right, a lot of farmers. So they throw these, um, basically, like on a small scale. So it was kind of like 16th birthdays slash illegal party in a field or in a barn. Um, and as people in school realised that I had a pair of decks, they'd start to ask me to come and DJ for them. Right. <laughs> well and what kind of music was um, back then? 
to, I had to play really whatever they wanted. Um, so mainly because they, they were paying me before. Um, so I'd say, tell me the kind of music that you're into. I'll burn a load of CDs. And then um, I'd pack the car with the, this like PA system that I bought, cheap pair of speakers and an amplifier. But they were they were pretty hefty. They did the trick. Um, a lot of hip hop. They were into the West Coast hip hop in in New Zealand. Was, yeah, the Kiwis love uh, that. So I sorry, babe. Yeah, lots of like ch chilled out coast vibes. Right, uh, and then I'd start throwing in a bit of trance and house, just to try and keep myself sweet as well. <laughs> so how long how long did you stay in uh, New Zealand for? When what was your next move after that? I, I left at the age of seventeen. So and back to England. That was back to England to start college. You know, as you're approaching the end of school, and it's your parents are saying, "What do you want to do with yourself?" Um, I started looking into college courses. Yeah. I found this music technology one, um, which was just, you know, for me, music was everything at this point. I was always yeah. making music, doing these little gigs, um, listening to a lot of music from the UK as still as well. You know, the UK has always been the home of dance music, in my opinion. Oh, big time. So it, it kind of made sense just to, to, to make the move and, and, come back to the UK. I came back on my own at first and lived with my granddad for a few years. I say a few years, maybe 18 months. <laughs> a few months then. My parents were going through a divorce <laughs> at that point. Uh, yeah. And then my mum and brother eventually came back to the UK as well. But in that time, I'd start college meeting like-minded people, which was, was quite new for me. I never really yeah. knew anyone in New Zealand that was into music, or even dance music, really. Yeah. And it was what quite age were you at that I was 17. 17, so we did, did you just start clubbing then? Was that whenever you started hitting the clubs? Yeah, as well, as soon as I got back to the UK. And um, so I live in a place called Warrington, which yep. is right in between Manchester and Liverpool. So it's quite spoilt for, for nightlife. Yeah. I mean, going from Kerry Kerry to having two major cities. Yeah. Was was very and very inspirational. So you've got cream in Liverpool and Sankey's in Manchester. That's it. Yeah. And the warehouse project was starting to kick off then as well. That's it right. was a, yeah, it was a, it was an exciting time. You yeah. know, sneaking into nightclubs and it weren't quite eighteen yet. Uh, but meeting up with all my old friends and and people who were interested in in music and and the music industry, yeah, um, it was it was a very inspiring time. Yeah. And um, what happened? So you were at clubbing with your mates, and um, the music was you were t learning the music in the background. When was it that you've, you've sort of um, like got this feeling like I'm going to give this 100%? Was there a like a pivot in time or? Uh, college and getting to know some of the college tutors and it got to the point where they were teaching stuff that I already knew myself 
a few years before. Because you were and so they were obviously, yeah, and which I, which I didn't realise was going to be the case. I didn't really know how much I knew at that point. Right. Um, and so the tutors always recognised something, and they were always always very impressed with what I was doing and the tunes that I was making on on Reason uh, and and Cubase at that time as well. Yeah. Um, um, and so I guess that. I, Sorry, mate. Sorry, go ahead. I'm just saying um, that was kind of the point where I thought, okay, so well, there's definitely something there. I've obviously got some sort of talent for this. Um, I've moved all the way back from New Zealand, you know, travelled 12,000 miles or whatever it is. Uh, I should probably give this a proper go. Yeah. Uh, so I did three years at college. Everything from the basics of sound to, to, to wiring a studio. Um, and then, uh, you know, at the end of that three years, it was, do you, do you want to go to university? So that kind of seemed like the next step because I wasn't ready to get a, a job. I definitely wasn't going to get a job in music at that point because I would have only been... 19. So it was like, okay, well, another three years at university might be just what I need to to really make the most, of, um, you know, and make something of it, make more yeah. contacts as well. Yeah. So you studied music then so, at university, I take it, some sort of course? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So music technology again, yeah. but in Leeds. It was a Bachelor's of Science degree, so there was lots of acoustics and more like building synthesizers, and it was a lot more technical than the college course was, a lot more in-depth. There wasn't really any at the university, uh, but it was a great opportunity for learning time management, meeting in the music industry um, and going to, to more nightclubs really and, and partying with people to know people in the same situation as me. So what was your favourite nightclub back in the day? Uh, Mint Club in Leeds has always been a Right. It's, one, it's only a small little been, place. Please. Oh, you should do it, mate. If you're back in the UK, I'll take you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still recovering from our last night out, Josh. <laughs> Six months ago. <clears throat> Happy days. Uh, so you finished uni. And what was uh, the next step in your progression, mate, to, to, to where you are to, today? But the, so the was kind of where I started with this conversation with... Uh, teaching Ableton and engineering for people. So um, people would come into my little home studio with an idea for a track. Yeah. Didn't necessarily finish the whole thing themselves. So I'd help them utilize the idea, get things down on paper, help create the finished product. Yeah. So for a while that combined with 
some punch and before was was paying the bills. And did you um, and of, did you like master tracks? Did you do everything the end to end stuff um, in the studio? Yeah, yeah, that's it. I was awesome. trying to do as much as possible, really. Yeah, trying to trying to make a, a living, something that I knew, because yeah. I was set, I was making my own music as well. Yeah, sending music out to to labels, but it was difficult. You know, there wasn't really I had a few small sign-ins here and there, but nothing that was going to change the world. Yeah. So <clears throat> the engineering, um, the sample packs, and working for other people basically was was getting me by yeah. for the time time being that was your bread and butter and the then exactly yeah randomly one afternoon i got a phone call from chasing status yeah um because i was you know i was sending demos out all the time it was just every evening after a day i'd, I'd spend half an hour an hour sending demos to all these labels didn't hear anything back for years and then randomly out of the blue will from chasing status called me and said he'd heard the demo really liked it and invited me down to his offices in london which for me you know at, at that time was just the the next level you know i hadn't really spoken to anyone of that caliber in the industry hadn't had anything on a label of that caliber signed. So it was a very professional, um, professionally run label, very switched on. They had an amazing office in Waterloo, which was actually Pete Waterman's old office from the Hit Factory. Yep. So as, as I walked into the office, there was all these gold and platinum discs on the wall of, you know, I think he signed Kylie Minogue and Madonna Rick Astley, the abundance of all these pop stars. <laughs> yeah. I've never seen anything like this. I'm just like, what have you brought me into here? Brilliant. So that was kind of the, the, the next real big milestone for me. Yeah. Getting to work with those guys and, and getting to pick their brain on music production as well as the actual business side of the industry. Mm -hmm. Still very valuable lessons to this day. Awesome. And what was the outcome of that meeting? We uh, we released well we deal for two tracks, two EP, I think it was a two EP deal, um, or two single deals, should I say? Uh, the first one was two me. And a remix of the A side, which was Bontan's remix of "Got a Feeling." Yeah. Uh, they they asked who I wanted to do the remix, and Andy Bontan was just starting to take this this new name on, and so I suggested we get Bontan on the remix. You know, he's one of our best mates. So <clears throat> they were happy with that. He did the remix, and then. It seemed to just take on a life of its own. It really, I think it really, well, it was, it was that time of house music really starting to blow up again. Cause it did have a, a bit of a, a quiet few years in the house music scene. 
So I think the timing was was key for that. It was a fresh style, um, and it just absolutely <laughs> it it gave me and Bontan careers that track. Yeah. So that was you that hit the next level. Yeah. And was it yeah, surreal also, at the time? Like, how surreal was that feeling of going from where you were, like helping other people produce and uh, and mastering and whatever, to actually having a track that went to you know the top of the charts in Beatport? Yeah. Well, it was a relief <laughs> because I didn't really want to be engineering for other people for the rest of my life. <laughs> 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 but did, did you yeah, have like a vision? It, like, did you have a goal? Like, like, were you aiming towards like what you got? Um, like, did you imagine that you were going to go there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of. I mean, I didn't know it was going to happen. Didn't know yeah. if or when it was going to happen. But I got to the point of of making records that I was actually getting quite good. Um, and so I thought, you know. It, it's it's possible it's definitely yeah. in reach so i just kept on working kept on refining my skills yeah uh something hit you know it's it's almost like throwing shit at a wall and hoping something sticks <laughs> <laughs> i know mate i do it every day <laughs> <laughs> I, i've got thousands of records that i've made over the years yeah some of them that people will never hear some of them that have been sent to labels as i said and never heard back about but luckily this one perked the ears of of some certain people and um that one stuck <laughs> it stuck well so you mentioned um you learned a lot about acoustics at university and stuff so just Tell us more about your studio setup because I know you do like making your own noises and different um, different elements to your tracks. So, what can it? What's your setup in the studio? Setups, um, it's a mixture of hardware, vintage hardware, hard, and computer software, basically. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a it's a hybrid of of old vintage gear. Like, give me an example of uh, one of the which, which I find really works. So, sorry, mate. What did you say? It's it's quite glitchy still here. Yes. Um. Give me the give me an example of a piece of the vintage gear. So I've got a rack um, of old compressors. I've got a drum, which um, so all all these pieces of software are really warm. And they give things harmonic texture, which you can't really get in a in a computer. Yeah, you know, because they've right. got valves in, you can get the valves really warm once right. they've heated up, and the sound is passing through there. It really gives something that a piece of software can't add, in yeah. my opinion. Yep, I get it. So I've got I've got the drama, I've got a culture vulture, and K Fatso. And what about the the software? Do you use Ableton or what do you work with? That's right, Ableton. These days I find that Ableton is, it's a it's a perfect balance of where I came from with Reason yeah. and Cubase. It's kind of both programmed one. 
um, right. in, in a lot of ways anyway. It's very quick for jamming with ideas. Um, you can just quickly. And, and as a musician, trying to get the initial idea going can sometimes be the most difficult part. And if you've got to sit and program, you know, almost like a code with, with some things that like I find logic can be quite long winded. Sometimes it's, it's great for the end, making a record, the detailed process, but in terms of getting ideas down, Ableton is very fast, it's quite a valuable tool. Yeah. Yeah. It's quite popular among everyone, isn't it? In the industry. Yeah, it is. And is there one favorite piece of kit that you would have that you just think that you could never do without? Um, I've, I've just, well, probably said the newest thing I just bought, bought the new Roland TR8. It's called the TR8S. Um, drum machine? So, yeah, drum machine. Well, this one you can actually load your own samples in as well. So awesome. it's it's almost like a, a laptop in itself. You can put all yeah. sorts of sounds in there. <clears throat> yeah, it's great. It's good fun. Happy days. So, mate, that brings me to um, Origins. So where did Origins originate? <laughs> <laughs> like that? Uh, Another software glitch. I know one piece of kit that I hate. It's this this software that I'm using. There he is. And you're back. Um, can you hear me? I can indeed. Cool. I know one piece of software that I hate is this piece of uh, manure that I'm using. <laughs> nightmare yeah, it's, it's, just not, it's just not cutting it's just not cutting at me i don't know we'll just have to uh fly over to you or you have to come back over here and do it face to face yeah mate i'm, I'm on my way so yeah mate tell me all about origins yeah so it started off i'd say it started off with meeting kerry chandler if we're going to go back to the very beginning of it, um, the, the events that I was going to in Leeds I had booked Kerry Chandler and I was lucky enough to get to meet him that night, talk to him about some music. Um, and we, we kept in touch. Funnily enough, it was quite strange. Um, 
and then as I started to get some bookings myself, we were getting booked with Kerry in a couple of places. So we built we built quite a good friendship together. Um, and then along the way, started to meet house heroes, Todd Terry. Um, God, yeah. So I don't know, getting to know these people and f- figuring out where house music came from myself. Um, people like Dennis was a big influence as well, Dennis Frere. That was the inspiration for the label to kind of pay homage to the roots of house music and, and maybe show a younger audience the story, even show them some of the old music that they might not have heard. Uh, there's probably 25 years of house tracks that they might have missed because of, especially now people getting into uh, this scene are 10 years younger than me. So it's, it's not just a label. It's, it's a form of education in a way. I like that. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. And it, it gives, it gives an opportunity for, for these older guys to reach a younger audience where I'm sure they, they could have reached them anyway, but it's a, it's a platform to help facilitate that. Yeah. So uh, any, any people we should be looking out for in the future, anybody you assigned to your origins? Yeah, there's a, there's a kid called Ben Sterling that I've signed. Um, he, he actually did the first release on the label uh, and he's killing it now. His tracks are getting picked yeah. up by Jamie Jones. I, I was speaking to Ben the other day and he said Jamie had played seven tracks of his in one set. Wow. So, so Jamie's yeah. set at Ian Vegas apparently had seven tracks of Ben Sterling's in there, which is unheard of. Really? How old is this? How old is this kid? He's not, I think he's nineteen or twenty. Wow! And just to give people context, you're twenty-eight, is it? I'm twenty-eight. Yeah. Cool. Wow, nineteen, and he's so, getting seven tracks played by Jamie Jones. Yeah, it's it's impressive, you know, because uh, it makes me feel like I was a slow learner. I've been doing this for yeah, mate. I've been doing this for a long time. I mean, you're uh, still a baby. You're 28. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but the the Remy, if if you listen to some of his the mix downs of his, that it takes a long time to learn how to get your tracks sounding so clean and 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 really punch in a club of experience of of making records and playing them on a big system. Yeah. Because he does something can sound end great. End. Yeah, something can sound great. But as soon as you take it into a nightclub, it'll sound completely different. Right. So he he's uh, he's doing something right anyway. Happy days. Uh, also, there's a guy I've just signed called Tommy Vassetti. Right. Another UK lad. He's making some quite authentic. What kind of vibe? It's got a US vibe to it. It's um, quite soulful and little vocal snippets here and there. Uh, but it's it's modern, you know. It's not it's not too heritage sound, heritage sounding. It's it's fresh, 
but it's got a touch of old school, which is oh. It's definitely coming back, the old school vibes. Like, yeah, you can, you can hear the 80s and 90s, like with um, Crystal Clear, um, even Purple Disco Machine. Like, you can hear the vibes that they're they're putting in their tracks. Brilliant. Like, it's just a whole disco revival, isn't it? That's right. There's a lot of disco stuff around at the moment. Purple Disco Machine's been been making some good stuff for a while, actually. Yeah, brilliant. Um, so, mate, you've played basically every club around the world. Is there any any clubs that you haven't yet played but want to? Yeah, there is. I'm trying to remember the name of it. There's one in Brazil. There's a beach club in Brazil. Oh, I think is that called uh, Warung Beach? Yeah, Warung, just outside Florinopolis. That's on my on my um, bucket list. That club, like, is it? it looks phenomenal. Oh, wow. It's where the rainforest meets the beach. Um, yeah, it's yeah. at Curitaba or something or some. Yeah, but it looks amazing. Curitaba. Yeah, I, think I didn't know it. that. I think I've I, seen I amazing things. Yeah, same. So if you're ever playing there, mate, I'm straight on a flight with you. I'm, I'm sure. Yes, mate. Definitely, <laughs> definitely, because that's on the old bucket list. Um, and favorite favorite club in the world? And like, I know, Thicker Thieves brought you over here recently, and you played a massive set with uh, my good housemate Ollie um, at Revolver. What was your thoughts on uh, Revolver? Yeah, that was an amazing night. I mean. I think that night is is going to be hard to forget. Been playing for <laughs> eight hours that night, but so it, I did four hours on my own, and then yeah. me and Ollie went back at the end. Yeah, till God knows when. <laughs> yeah, it was a long night, but it was unreal. Like revolvers is something else. So it's, it really such, is. That's for me. That room is one of the best in the world that I've experienced. Yeah. Yeah. And, and almost come... because it isn't. Oh, sorry, Pete. Sorry, go ahead. Almost because it isn't what? I was going to say a nightclub. Yeah. It's like somebody's living room. <laughs> a few sofas <laughs> kicking about. Yeah. Lasers or lights and smoke machines. It's, it's very subtle. Yeah. It's it's less is more, you know, and it's it's like a house party. It's all about yeah. the atmosphere and the music in that place. Yeah, and and the industrial cage. It's like it's edgy. It's 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 such a good spot. Everyone loves it. Yeah, can't wait to get back. So when are you coming back? Has uh, Mike been on the phone to any of your people yet to see what's happening? I think it's it's looking around the same time next year. Okay, maybe the end of Jan. Cool. Awesome. So Can't you've wait. got another six months to recover. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good fun, mate. So, uh, mate, bringing to your your Beatport number one, Call You Back, that you've done with Bontan. Like, how was that? Like, that must have been, again, like another double whammy for you. Yeah, I mean... It's- Again, you can't really plan these things. It was never calculated. 
we, as I said, me and Andy have been friends for a long time. We've always made a lot of music together. The, the same, as I was saying, where I've made thousands of tracks that will never see the light of day. Me and Andy have made tracks together that will never see the light of day. Yeah. Call You Back just happened to be something that that sounded good to us. Uh, he played it on, I think it was Boxing Day in Sankey's Manchester. We finished it around Christmas time. And then he played it for the first time in Sankey's. I went down and he played it as his first track. And the reaction was insane. Like we really weren't expecting people to sing such a way. Uh, and then and then since then, you know, we posted the video online. It gained quite a bit of traction and, you know, floating around it. And um, eventually got released on Origins. And it, it went pretty much straight to number one. On B and what was the fallout then after that? Like, you two guys, you've done a tour after it, didn't you? We actually did the record. So we did a tour around um, a track called Live Your Life that we did with the vocalist from Basement Jacks. Her name's Vula. Oh, yeah, Vula, yep. Yeah, so so we did a tour around that time. We um, we, we were just quite busy with our own careers when Call You Back was kicking off. So there wasn't really space for a, a joint tour. But we are talking again about doing something probably towards the end of this year, maybe early next year, and probably as well. Yeah, because Bontown was here a couple of weeks ago, I think. That's right. Um, in Revolver again, Ollie warmed up for him. Um, it was good. It was brilliant. I only stayed for a couple of hours, but um, it's by all accounts, it went off. Yeah, well, hopefully... Next time we'll we'll be there together, a world tour. Yeah. I mean, the last one was just around the UK. It was the, the main cities of the UK. But yeah. I think this time, because uh, we've both grown with our solo careers since then, you know, we could possibly visit Australia and the States, some of South America. We're on Beach Club. Yeah, mate. <laughs> I'll see you there. Uh, Definitely. Um, and, and mate, you're you're sitting at number two with uh, your track "Anonymous" from on Hot Creations. Like, it's it's been sitting there for a couple of weeks. Um, hopefully, we'll get to number one. Yeah. Um, um, I hope so. What's the response been like after your essential mix on the weekend? Um, by the way, if anybody wants to listen to uh, Josh's essential mix, it's on Listen Again on the BBC One. BBC Radio 1 website and just go to listen again and you can hear the essential mix yeah it's up there for 30 days yeah and then I'm gonna put it up, I'm gonna put it on SoundCloud once that's expired on the BBC website yeah. cool so what's the response been like like have you been getting it's been, it's been really good mate lots of positive um, <clears throat> there was a few exclusives in that mix as well so there was some good feedback from from the djs and producers that gave me some music for it um yeah 
Yeah, mate, it's it's a tick off the bucket list to do an essential mix. They were another big inspiration for me getting into music. When I was yeah. discovering, they were kind of the go-to mix yeah. to, to to really get a grip on what people are doing. You know, it's it's kind of like a, a musical business card in a way. It, it, yeah. it shows like a portfolio type thing, yeah. you know, it's, it's go-to. It's go really the mix. pinnacle of the industry, in my opinion. Like, I think if you, like, you're doing, you're doing everything right if you're getting on to do an essential mix. Yeah, that's right. So it's, it's, a, it's an amazing achievement and something I'm very happy I've done. Yeah. Brilliant, mate. So, you know, we're coming to the end of our uh, chat, even though it's been technical hell. Um, we still, I still got to um, answer all the questions that I wanted to ask. And yeah, mate. So I just want to thank you for your time. And uh, where can people find you, mate, if they want to check you out that are listening? So, Josh Butler of Facebook. Where else? All the usual face, uh, sorry, social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, SoundCloud, if you want to hear the music. Um, I think all of the URLs are Josh Butler Music. Yep. So obviously you can just search in the search bar, but <clears throat> it's Josh Butler Music at the end of the website. Awesome, mate. Um, and what's on for the rest of uh, this year? Any big plans? Any more tracks in the pipeline? Back in the studio? Yeah, a few more tracks. Um, I'm releasing on Poker Flat, which is a German techno label, in uh, in about a month. So taking things right underground again, something quite stripped back and, and minimal compared to some of my other tracks. Yeah. Um, I'm going to be doing lots of touring again to Ibiza over the summer. Um, lots of stuff in America at the moment as well. The North America seems to really kind of music yeah, going off, isn't it? It really is. You know, the, the, I think since the EDM bubble has exploded, people want a little bit more, want to dig a bit deeper yeah. for some new music. Definitely the music tastes maturing a lot over there. That's right. Take full advantage of that, my friend. Yeah, so I think that will kind of take me up until Christmas. Um, and then I'm going to be back with you in Australia just after cool, Christmas. Well, we're moving into a new apartment at the end of the month, so you'll oh, be able nice. to check it out. <laughs> Cool. Okay, Josh. Well, yeah. thanks for your time, mate. And um, I will speak to you soon. Indeed. Thanks, Pete. All right. Thanks, bro. Catch we'll you. We'll talk soon. All right, bye, mate. Bye-bye.